Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. In today's episode, I sit down with Bethany member Julie Miller, and we sit down to talk about mental health and its unique crossovers with communities of faith. Julie describes for us faith-based mental health, and we really get into an interesting conversation about the ways that these two fields can kind of overlap and, and even support one another. It's a great conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Um, and as always, thanks for your support of the podcast. Please continue to tell family and friends about it. Share the links to this episode or others on your social media channels so that more people can find it. We really appreciate it. But now, a conversation with Julie Miller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Together for Good podcast. I am sitting here with Julie Miller. Julie is a longtime member here at Bethany. She is married to Scott. She has two beautiful children, Ryan and Leah. And she's an avid listener of the Together for Good podcast. Never, never miss an episode. <laughs> but uh, Julie is also the owner and the therapist, the CEO, if you will, of Blue Counseling, which is a private counseling practice. So you have a lot of um, background in mental health care and specifically a lot of training in you know, caring for people's mental health. And that's why I wanted to bring you on today. I really am passionate about this idea, and I really think it's incredibly important for our world right now. The, the term I keep on hearing just tossed around is that we are in the midst of a mental health crisis. Uh, can you just help us as listeners, you know, those on the podcast, kind of understand a little bit more about where that phrase is coming from mm-hmm. and, and what people are seeing? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on so the glad podcast. You're here. And uh, I know you have a, a massive following, and so I'm grateful for the, the opportunity and privilege to address such a wide and diverse audience. But seriously, the uh, I really am grateful that you, as a pastor and a leader in this faith community, are are interested in talking about mental health and um, are interested in talking about the mental health crisis. It's mm. true. We are in the mental health crisis. And I, um, I could quote you a lot of statistics about how uh, over the last two to three years, um, mental health has deteriorated, not just among youth. I know we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. Youth and teens and a mental health crisis among our kids, but the truth is that that extends to all ages and stages of life, and that it's not it's it's um, young parents, it's um, seniors, it, it, it's everyone. Um, but I I don't know that the statistics are as important to focus on as just I think pr- probably your listeners know every every one of your listeners probably knows one or two people who are struggling with a mental health issue, um, and and it. Uh, if they don't know someone who's struggling with a mental health issue, it's probably being kept private or, or, or secret. Yeah. A lot of people still don't talk about mental health. It's still stigmatized in a huge way. Um, but we know that one in five people in the United States oh, wow. struggle with some kind of a mental health One challenge. in five. And do you think, I mean, I feel like I was even hearing this phrase before the pandemic, and I don't want to spend a lot of time just kind of walking through all of the reasons why this is happening, but, but maybe just to give a little background briefly. What do you think this is a product of? Why why it, are we in the midst of such a mental health crisis? Well, I think we're coming out of a really unique and tumultuous time mm-hmm. um, for our country and for our world. Um, obviously, their um, COVID um, turned things upside down for us in a huge way and caused a lot of different problems. So I talk sometimes about the pandemic, but when I talk about the pandemic, I'm not talking about just the transmission of virus. I'm talking about everything that... Um, individuals and families experienced during that time, which includes grief and loss, um, 
separation from families and relationships when people couldn't travel to go be with people, um, missing out on milestones, mm-hmm. um, graduations, weddings, uh, funerals. Some folks couldn't have funerals and bury the people that they love and care about most because they couldn't be together because that was dangerous. Um, and then you talk about you know schools and the fights over masking or not masking, to vaccinate, to not vaccinate, the socio-political climate, yeah. And then what happened to folks economically? I mean, people who um, have had to move or relocate, people who've lost jobs, people who are unemployed or underemployed. Uh, the list really goes on and on. And I think uh, it doesn't have to have, have happened to you personally for you to experience the ripple effects. It, it can happen to somebody in your family, someone you love, someone you care about. Um, when there's a traumatic experience in your family circle or in your community it's hard not to be impacted by it so yeah it's almost like a tsunami almost of, of mental health issues that has kind of swept across our country yeah no i mean it's just hearing you like kind of name it all too i'm realizing like what a confluence you know like if if, if one of them didn't get you maybe the other one would right like mm-hmm. maybe you weren't anxious about the virus and that wasn't something that concerned you but maybe you lost your job and so it was the yeah the livelihood and the money anxiety and not the health piece of things yeah, there, there was so much right like just when you take a step back and look at it that was tying up in all of that but even before that, right? But like I said, I've been hearing this term for a while. I feel like even before the pandemic, we had definitely um, a lot of political fracturing in our country that probably was very stressful and you know affected people's families. Um, and then also all of the social media side of things, which I'm sure you probably have a lot of statistics and knowledge just about how that can have a real negative effect on our mental health too, right? Like always having to see the best of everyone because mm-hmm. um, that's all it is. It's just like you, you, you only put the good pictures up on Instagram. You don't put the, you know. That's well, true. And someday I'm going to do a podcast where I interview you about why you're not on social media. Because I feel like that's <laughs> probably a really good story. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were in, a, we were in bad shape before COVID-19 popped its head around. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a lot going on there. But I think the other piece that's really important to acknowledge is that we just don't have... Um, Accessing mental health care is not an easy thing sure. in our country, yeah. um, and uh, it continues to be a challenge. I think one of the great things, if you can say that, a great thing happened during the pandemic, but um, from a mental health perspective, one of the great things that happened was access to telehealth therapy. Um, great thing. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that uh, a lot of folks who weren't able to leave their home, were, were there were some... Um, conversations and discussions and some changes made in in laws and ethics around doing um, therapy through telehealth that allowed people who really needed to access therapy Mm -hmm. do that um, even though they couldn't be in person so um, and that continues to be something uh, one of the ways that people access uh, mental health care now is through telehealth zoom and skype kind of uh, therapy sessions and whatnot so that was a great thing that came out of that but the barrier is to to um, mental health care continue to persist and that there's um, a, a lot of folks will find that they call counselors and counselors don't call them back, mm-hmm. which is in many ways just a, a product of counselors being overwhelmed and um, not taking new clients but not really handling that well. I, I should preface yeah. that by saying it's never okay for a counselor to not call you back. That's awful. But it happens more than you would think that it would or should because 
there's just an overwhelming number of people looking for therapy right now. Um, right, and I get—I mean, I get it just from a business side of thing for those counselors too. Of if their slate is full, and they probably means they have a lot of work that they need to be doing, and so calling someone back to say like, "Yeah, I can't take you on as a client," yeah, yeah like that doesn't. But but for the individual who finally worked up the courage and admitted to themselves that they need help, and they reach out to this counselor to not hear anything back. It's super discouraging. Yeah. And it's just like, what am I, why am I even bothering? And so I, I always encourage people who experience that to not give up, to try and try again. But people are running into that barrier. And then, you know, money and finances continue to be an issue. Totally. Um, there are some wonderful um, insurance coverage programs or EAPs that will help to cover um, like up to eight or ten sessions, which can be really helpful for um, like serious kind of emergency issues or crisis, but for people who really need um, ongoing therapy, eight or 10 sessions gets you through two months, and that's that's sometimes not enough. Yeah. And so while those programs are great and they're a good start, they're probably not sufficient um, for what a lot of people are looking for. And then some people don't have uh, the benefit of having that kind of coverage um, in their insurance, or, or they're uninsured or underinsured, and so they can't access um, healthcare no, that way, yeah. or mental health care that way, and it's still, it's still, it's still very stigmatized, and it's not. I, I think the real thing about mental health is that everyone has mental health. <laughs> like this is not. It's not like everyone has things that they need to work through. The way I've been thinking about it, I think I said this to you the other day. Just like I feel like everyone has their own neuroses and things that they're dealing with, and things that would be helpful to address. But just some of those little weird tendencies maybe fit better within society than others. Well, and so what... you can like fake it till you make it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just really, it's really discouraging because we, we often just like, we've thought of it as just like, oh, these are the people who are, who've cracked, right? Well, like, we talk about mental health. We confuse mental health with mental illness. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. Mental yeah. illness is meaning, means you're not well. You're mentally, your mental health is unwell. Mm-hmm. Mental health is, is if we could think about it like physical health, your body's working and you're doing fine until it's not working. Right. And, until you break your leg or until you have an autoimmune disorder and all of a sudden your physical health is not well. And we all have mental health. And most of, for many of us, not most of us, but many of us, our mental health is fine. So we don't really pay attention to it yep. until we find ourselves um, with really high anxiety or it, unable to get out of bed to go to work because we're so depressed or whatever else it might be, uh, going through some kind of a serious relational issue like a divorce or grief or loss. All of a sudden, then we're really aware of our mental health because it's unwell. Yeah. And I think we spend so much time um, talking about mental illness and the brokenness of our mental health. We don't spend nearly enough time talking about our mental health and how we proactively care for it and keep ourselves healthy in that way. Right, like just the general maintenance. Right, so for your body, you'll take vitamins. Uh Wouldn't you run and do yoga? Exactly. You know. And I, try and get a good enough sleep at night, right? Like just all these little things. And we know all the things to do. We yeah. know, well, I've got to do this. I got to, I got to drink a lot of water. I got to eat fruits and vegetables. Ryan right now is trying to fill half his plate with vegetables, which is easy to fill his plate with half vegetables, but then to eat all those vegetables is, <laughs> is a whole nother deal. Good for him. Good but, for him. But you know, like he knows that, and his doctor talks to him about that. Unfortunately, we don't necessarily have that same awareness or or global understanding of mental health and how we care for our mental health. Yeah, and and it's just to that point too, we also just don't as a society prioritize it in the same way, where it's, it's just fascinating to me. 
So my um, health insurance, I have the health insurance that is specifically for clergy. Like it's a program specifically for Lutheran clergy. And it's like one of the best in the United States, right? It, it's, it's for it, long been held as like. It's, it's good. Um, caveat. Um, and I'm very thankful for it and uh, right, like uh, just recognizing my privilege and all of that. And yet I will get like one of their programs, you know, I can get my gym membership. Uh, paid for if I go eight times a month like that's part of the way that it works out It's just like link it up with your health insurance and if I'm committed and I check in eight times at the YMCA then the insurance will cover it great program right like yeah they want to encourage me to be doing that maintenance because they they also realize it's a cost saving for them right like if I'm going to the gym eight times a month well then I'm probably gonna be healthier than if I didn't and so then they aren't gonna have to pay for some sort of really expensive surgery later on or treatment however so they do that. There is no mental health coverage. Mm -mm. Nothing. Not not for you? You no. have no mental health coverage. It is out of pocket. Completely. Yes. And oh, this take, is for I take, I take back what I said. <laughs> this is for clergy who also right, like I just think about like this is a high stress job and we need to be doing um, a real care for ourselves and our own mental health. Amen. Yes. And for that to not be a part of the plan just seems so wildly I should I mean there, there's some sort of thing like if you're going through a crisis where you can get I think it's four free sessions with one of their therapists um, but that is the only the only benefit that I have been able to uncover and even like I, every time they send me a review they're like hey how has your experience been with this insurance company and I give them a piece of my mind every single time. I'm very grateful for the other sides of it you know the way that covers me and my family health-wise but it's just amazing that that that's, is that's not amazing that is that is <laughs> horrific but that's it's awful you're absolutely right i mean clergy everyone could use that benefit but clergy certainly could we are also in the middle of a clergy crisis yeah um what, resigning in mass and yes we just people burnt rethinking out. and yeah. and um clergy have taken a massive beating part of my practice is working with um uh clergy or rostered leaders or even unrostered leaders in the in the church and t working with them on mental health issues and there is just little to no support but I had no idea that you didn't have that so <laughs> so I'm I'm shocked I'm appalled I'm sad and I'm and I'm angry to hear that but I'd like to with permission knowing that you can edit this out yeah that has not stopped you from correct pursuing mental health care no and I'm very grateful you know like I'm also able to be gainfully employed enough and you know my wife and I've worked on our budget that I can seek out and participate in therapy on a weekly basis for my general maintenance you know yeah. like I, I i really had a great experience here at bethany through the pandemic and it wasn't like, it was your first experience yeah and I mean, it, it really I, I love what i get to do here and the environment was really conducive for caring for yourself as well as Good. you know like i just felt really fulfilled it's not like the pandemic hit me it, just think about some of the other stories i heard right, realize that right. i'm very lucky right. and yet still like, it's maintenance. I need to do this work. I want to be caring for my mental health because there's times in my life when I haven't been and the wheels fell off. Yeah. And, and it wasn't because I wasn't, you know, like eating well or sleeping well or running. It was because I was just spiraling in my thoughts and keeping that all to myself. Mm -hmm. and, and that had a really, you know, detrimental effect on my overall well-being as a result. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I just I know that it's important. And, and for me to so keep doing this work. So you've, uh, you've prioritized it. Right. And you found a way to budget for it. But as you also know, it it's not cheap. It's no. not inexpensive. There are uh, 
there are places and spaces you can go to find low cost or no cost therapy, but the wait lists are outrageous and um, and and it's hard. It can be hard to get in there. And then the folks that um, you know take or who who are out of pocket, they don't take insurance. Um, it's not it's not a, a cheap um, no. gym membership or or um, you know. It's gonna it's gonna cost you some money, and that's hard for people to do, which is another barrier to accessing yeah. um, mental health care. So I, I think it's great that you're able to prioritize that, but I do I do spend time wondering, what do folks do who can't afford it? What right. do folks do who don't have it on their insurance or who don't who feel like they can't prioritize it because it's so expensive, um, and there's just other bills that need to get paid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I mean, just coming back to, to the places that might be cheap or no cost or low cost, in the same sense, too, one of the things I've learned through my experience over the years in therapy is that, that finding the right therapist is really important. You know, like finding the right fit, the person who can speak to you in a way that you can hear, that can work with you on the issues that you individually have, th- that's really essential. And sometimes you have to shop around to find that. Um, yeah, therapists are a little bit like pastors. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we all come with our own personalities and quirks and weird things that we do. Uh-huh. You know, I use a lot of outrageous analogies and metaphors and things like that. And the, the clients who like me think it's great. And then there's some who just look at me like, where, what planet did you come from? And I'm like, okay, that's not going to work for you. That's cool. Uh, but I always say, both to my friends and, and family who, who come to me looking for a referral, I'll say things like, you know, your counselor has to be like a really great pair of shoes. You know, you want them to be cute, but they need to be really comfortable because you got to go a long, long ways in them. Um, and, and it's true. And so I always encourage folks, like, give yourself three sessions with a therapist. And, and if after, like, three sessions you're, you're still not feeling it, you know, maybe maybe give a try to an, another therapist somewhere yeah. else. And, and it, it is an investment to get started with a counselor or a therapist. But um, it's worth it to, to find the person that you, that you gel with uh, because you got a lot of work to do. You need to be really comfortable with that person. You need to be confident in them mm-hmm. and feel comfortable opening up. Uh, I think there's some people who are like people pleasers who will go into a therapist and just tell a therapist whatever it is that they want to hear. Right. And think that they're having great therapy because their therapist is, you know, smiling and patting them on the back. And that's not necessarily how that's supposed to work. You know, sometimes it's supposed to be hard and messy. And uh, you're right. It's got to be a good fit. Sure. I, I want to come back to what you said about um, therapists being like pastors in some way. Um, but, but because I want to bring in the faith side of this. Because I really do think that as people of faith, um, we're called to be, you know, care for the entire temple, mind, body, soul. Uh, but also, I really do think that there is a lot of similarities. And, and, and that the church has a real opportunity to be addressing this mental health crisis. And that the church has a, has a lot of the tools already in place um, to assist with this, not just right. Like therapy is really, really important and essential. And yet, there's also some other things, some practices, some ways that you can be caring for your mental health outside of a relationship with a therapist. And so, I'm wondering. I, I know you have thoughts about this. Um, I don't know if you coined the phrase "faith-based mental health," um, but I've heard you say that before. And I'm going to give you credit and the trademark on that one. Please talk to us about how you see this fitting into a faith community? 
Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yes, I do have a lot of thoughts on it, and no, you cannot trademark or, <laughs> or give me credit for that because faith-based mental health has been around for a really long time. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of congregations that are already doing that and doing uh, doing it really well. Uh, but I think what I would really like to, to talk about or address is just the unique role that a faith community can play in mm-hmm. um, um, in helping folks strengthen their mental health and deal with mental illness. And uh, I was I was listening to <laughs> I was listening to a different podcast. How dare you! I know. <laughs> And I, re- I really listened to it on the way over here because I really, I, I, I love it. And I, I'm terrible at, like, quoting who it was and, and exactly what they were talking about. But it was a, it was a Catholic friar. Is, mm. that, is that, like, is that a way you address someone or is that, like, a role? Yeah, I think that's a role. We okay. don't have friars in the Lutheran no. church, so. No, but he was a friar, and he was talking about mental health and religion. And I really have always appreciated kind of his – it's a TED Talk, actually. It's not a podcast. But um, I've always appreciated – um, some of what he says and, and that he kind of outlines the fact that when it comes to physical health, there's a lot of different ways to care for your physical health, like we just talked about. Like if you're sick, you can um, rest, mm-hmm. you can drink water, you can take medicine, mm-hmm. um, but medicine alone is probably not going to help or fix it. Like you usually have to do some other things. Um, uh, if you want to be well, you have to do more than take medicine. You have to take care of your body and whatnot. So same with your mental health. Um, medicine is one opportunity to care for mental illness. Sure. Um, but we also need to do things like you talked about, like sleeping well, um, getting sunshine, um, having a strong community of people and friends, um, talking through some things through talk therapy, um, addressing um, distorted thoughts or ways of thinking that are not helpful. So there's a lot of different pieces that need to happen when you're dealing with mental health and mental illness. And uh, this friar talks about one of the things that underlies a mental illness issue are these really big, deep questions. So mm. if, you're take, if, if you're struggling with an issue or, or depression or something like that, oftentimes what can happen is these big questions come up for you. Um, like, who am hmm. I? Am I lovable? Do I have worth and value? Um, what's my purpose? How do I make meaning of this horrible thing I've been through? Um, those are really big, deep questions that can cause someone with a mental health issue to sink deeper and lower um, or can cause them to kind of spin out of control. Yeah. And they could take medicine and they can go to therapy and a, a good therapist can probably help them through a lot of that and even talk with them about some of those questions. But here's the thing. Someone who identifies as um, a believer or, or have mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a faithful person, a spiritual person, and specifically I'll speak to folks who identify as Christian because that's where you know that's you and I come at. from, that's yep. where we're at. Um, if they identify as Christian, they already have within them an, a, hopefully a sense or an understanding of the answers to those questions, but they, those questions can be answered at church, by the church, through the church, and more importantly, the answers can be lived out. Yep. And that's the thing that the friar says. I know it's a long way to get to that. No, but no. That's what the friar kind of pointed out. And I love that idea that um, it's one thing for you to come to church and hear God loves you and God's people love you. And you're loved and accepted just as, as you are. And you might hear that in a podcast or a, a sermon. A sermon. Or something, yeah. 
But it's also important then to be able to live that out, to feel that, to feel that when you show up in this space and you're broken or you're messy, that people are still loving you. They're still caring for you. They're wanting to walk alongside you. And that happens when you're in community and you're showing up to this space and this place. So that idea of the questions are answered. Yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are lovable. And then it's lived out because the people of God surround you and love you and care for you and see you for who you are. And, and, and related to that, the thing that I've been latching onto and recognizing um, is just how important belonging is. That particular, like, feeling like you have a place to belong, a community to be with, you know, a group of people that will miss you if you're not here. And how important that is, you know, coming out of... of the isolation of the pandemic mm -hmm. in a lot of places, that sense of belonging was really fractured because you, you, you know, like some people were by themselves in their home. Um, there's this great, I shouldn't, well, I can't fully endorse it. <laughs> Be careful if you watch this. There's a really great comedy special by Bo Burnham that's on Netflix that's called Inside. And he filmed it during the pandemic and it's a comedy special and he sings silly songs, but then also like it's interspersed with like his deep uh, mental health struggle you know, that's all part of this two hour long special on Netflix of him kind of talking about like, yeah, I'm like, I've been in this room. He was in like a small New York City apartment. Been in this room for six months. I'm not okay. Um, it, yeah, and it's it's the belonging piece of like, you, you need other, you, you want to be a part. It's a human nature to want to be a part of community, to have a place mm -hmm. that's yours, that, that influences your identity again that cares about you and picks you up but that also that misses you when you're not here that asks about you when you return all of that and that's why right, like, I just think that that's what church has been always trying to do for people in a lot of ways mm -hmm. in a lot of very specific ways but how valuable that could be for the, you know this deep longing this deep emptiness and loneliness that some of us got really in touch with during the pandemic does that make sense yeah, absolutely it does. And, and I mean, I think you, you articulated really well. The church is in a unique position to come alongside mental health providers um, and mental health just training and wellness and, 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 and partner together because um, it's not just a one, it's not just a one solution problem. Mm -hmm. It's not a, here's a pill, take this pill, you'll be right. better. It's got so many different facets and, and, um, I think that I think it's clear that faith communities are are in a great position to really help address this crisis. And I guess I'm a little bit curious sure. your thoughts on on either what's what is happening already at Bethany in terms of that, or or what could happen, or or what opportunities there are. I mean, I know that in the past um, there's been some experiences with with. Uh, mental health training. I know I took mental health first aid here. Um, I know Larry and Vicki Dobb have done some great things with mental health um, and veterans and, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. marriage um, resources. And I know that there was some suicide prevention training mm -hmm. um, a few years ago as well. Um, so Bethany, this is not new to Bethany, but I am curious kind of what you're, I know you're passionate about pairing mental mm -hmm, health mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. a faith-based community, but tell me what you think it looks like here at Bethany or what the opportunity is. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think always, as I've already articulated, is the importance of community and finding ways just to be together um, and to create that sense of belonging for folks. And so that you know that 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 starts with the way that we welcome people and the way that we make people feel connected and that we help find them. You know, find Bethany's a really big place, but we also have a ton of like smaller groups and programs and helping people find their fit and their community and their little role within this 
larger structure. I feel like that's so essential. But then even beyond that, um, a lot of the things that we are really talking about, like as the faith formation team, is trying to find some specific ways with our young people to, to just be giving them skills and, and tool building. Um, like so much of our practice of faith, right? Like a, the practice of prayer is so, if you, if you have a prayer life, you know, like it's so valuable for your mental health. Like you may have never articulated it like that, but that's, that's what's happening there. It's like when you connect with a higher power and you bring your concerns and let go of them and entrust in God to care for you, to hear these prayers, to see you through, that's a relief. There's a release that happens there, right? Like, and otherwise you're just holding on to it and it builds up and it builds up and it has really negative results on your overall health, mental, physical, in general. And so I just think that so much of the way that we practice our faith, we never talk about it this way, but it is, it is, they're, they're tools for our mental health in particular, our spiritual health maybe is another way to put it. And so anyways, long way of saying, like we are trying to, to just, in the way that we design um, Camp Bethany and Wednesday nights this fall, like what, just what little things can we build in? So it becomes a part of just what they know happens on Wednesday night. But it's like, okay, we're going to start by just taking time to, to settle ourselves, to, to, to breathe deeply and to talk with God quietly and to maybe talk with God about something that's concerning us, right? Like that's the thing too, is that we have the opportunity to train these young people in having these skills that will serve them for their whole life, um, that is valuable for their life of faith and really practical for their own personal well-being in the day-to-day -to -day too. Like that's the cool thing. Jesus does so many healing miracles and we're always like, oh, I just wish Jesus could, could be around now and do these healing miracles. And I really do think though that the practices of our faith, coming to church on Sunday, saying prayers, reading the scripture, like that has a healing entity to it, right? It really is very valuable for us on, uh, you know, a, a deeper level. It's not necessarily as miraculous as what we see in the scriptures of, I said this prayer and then I could walk again. But there is a, a, a mental health care aspect, as I've said, to prayer, to reading sacred scripture and talking about it in community to um, worshiping and putting our energy into song in order to express something bigger than ourselves. You get the idea. I, talk to me about how this is all hitting you. You're nodding, but yeah, I, I don't know if we I'm making sense. You can't see that on a podcast, <laughs> can you? Yeah, no, I'm nodding in complete and total agreement with you. Um, absolutely. Everything you just named, there are um, mental health, we call it like protective factors that can be built through all of those things, through um, singing, laughing, um, reading, studying scripture, um, praying, praying, prayer. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, there's some really cool brain studies on people who have been in prayer. What's happening in their brain is just this really amazing and beautiful thing. And, and it's similar to when you talk about like mindfulness or meditation. Sure. Um, there is something significant that happens to you when you're in that space and when you allow yourself to be in that space and it is is healing mm -hmm. it's wonderful it's good it's positive um and you talk about going to church on sundays so one of the other things that um i was or one of the other things i was i was thinking about this morning was a study that was done of 90,000 nurses um, my mother-in-law is a nurse and so i shared this with her and she was like uh-huh yep amen 90,000 nurses were studied over 14 years uh-huh and there was a subset of nurses who reported that they attended church every single Sunday. 
They didn't say if they liked it or what they got out of it or how good their preacher was, but they attended church every single Sunday. And that subset was 80, had an, let me say this correctly. Their, um, hmm. They had an 80% less likelihood of suicide. Is that how, how do I say that? Okay. Their, their risk of suicide was decreased by, by 80%, 80% from the general population. Just from showing up. Just from showing up to church yeah. once a week. And I, and I mentioned that to, again, this morning to my mother-in-law. And she was like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's here every yeah, week. Yeah, because she's here every week. Yeah. She e- is. Even if you don't wear your robes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it's true, though. Uh, like, there is just, you know, church, we're, we're always trying to make it better. And, you know, like, we want a, it to be appealing and connecting with people. And yet also, like, just the, the practice of showing up to be with this same community every week of reading and saying similar prayers, right? Like some of the prayers really don't change that much week to week. Of well, hearing a sacred text read mm-hmm. and then someone, you know, hopefully explaining some piece of that to you. Like all of that is just, so, you can think about like, wow, that is so deeply valuable to us as human beings. Sure, so the practice of worship, the practice of singing and, and singing hymns yeah. of praise, mm-hmm. um, praying individually or, or as a group, um, being in community, coffee hour or Bible study, reading scripture together, all of those um, are, are part of the path to mental wellness and, mm-hmm. and positive mental health. And I think there's also an opportunity for Bethany or a faith-based community yes. mm-hmm. to increase um, the protective factors by doing things like talking really openly mm-hmm. about mental health. Mm-hmm. And... Um, helping to make it a less taboo subject. Yep. Um, making sure that people know, you know, to normalize going to therapy. I yep. mean, how cool is it that, you know, Pastor Nate's like, yeah, weekly I'm going to therapy. Yeah. Um, that's powerful. That's important. Um, and it destigmatizes it for those who are going to therapy regularly or those who have been thinking about going. Um, normalizing taking medications. There are some people who, like, chemically, need some additional um, help, whether it's serotonin or dopamine, they need some psychopharmaceuticals. And that's not an abnormal thing, Mm -hmm. but there's some families, there's some people um, in our community who still see that as really a weakness or taboo. um, And we need to destigmatize that. And then we have a really great opportunity to continue to um, hold up and lift up um, the church as a place, a, a soft place to land when you're struggling, yeah. when you're hurting, when you're broken, when your mental health is not well, when you're depressed, when you're anxious or lonely, um, that the church is a place where we, um, yeah, you know, a place for you to come and be and Some be made whole again. Yeah. Uh-huh. But also to say, hey, Jesus is great and, and, and w- Jesus has a lot of the answers, but not all the answers. Like, like, like have Jesus in your heart, but then also have a really great therapist. Like Jesus and a therapist together, that's a great combination. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, and I think that's one of the things I see with some of the, the church-based folks that I um, do therapy with is that they're in a congregation or community that says, like, pray and you'll get better. Yeah. Let God do all the healing. But God has given us so many different tools to help us um, heal and prayer is just one of those. And so exactly. I think using all of those pieces is really important. No, I, I mean, in, in the same way, right? Like we, we, we do still go to our doctors and 
come to church as well, right? Like you, 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 you do it in that realm, and I think we, we've yet to expand to recognize that, yes, Jesus is really valuable, and there's other ways, too, that we can be caring for ourselves in a more overall holistic sense, which is really theologically to where I come down is that I think God is ultimately in the business of trying to bring healing and wholeness um, to all of creation, that that's, that's where this all ends is God putting everything back together in the most holistic sense that we can conceive of and even beyond that. And so that, that work starts today of just continuing to find ways of bringing, you know, bringing about that healing and wholeness in our communities, making that possible for people who feel incomplete or like there's something off within them. Yeah, that's all part of practicing and living out our faith. Um, and that can take a number of different, it, it can look differently for each individual person. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful uh, to you, Pastor Nate, and also just to Bethany and, and the rest of your staff for um, identifying the mental health crisis as a place where the church can really step in and make mm-hmm. a huge difference. I'm grateful for that, and I'm grateful to be um, a conversation partner with you in that. Um, I think if it's okay, I just want to make sure to add into this podcast that if you or someone you love mm-hmm. is struggling with any kind of a mental health issue today and you are wanting some help or you're needing some support, um, the Call Out of Crisis Services is a great resource. Um, and yeah, and if you look in the show notes, I'll have a link to all of that. That's great. So yep. you can text, text them if you don't want to talk to them or you can call them um, or you can go to their website. And I think, yeah, you can include all that information below. And um, I hope that you won't hesitate to reach out and ask for help if that's something that you need today. Great. Well, Julie, thank you for all of your wisdom and all of the ways that you, I mean, that you've been a part of these conversations. Julie and I have been talking about this for a while now, and we're really excited to continue to, to live into, yeah, how we can better care for those who are struggling here at Bethany and beyond. Uh, So stay tuned for more details. But as always, dear listener, thank you for listening, for being a part of this conversation with us. Stay in peace, everyone.